Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. When the Lord Jesus was in the desert during his 40 days of temptation, the devil provoked him to throw himself down from the top of the temple, citing Scripture's promise of God's protection. In response, as with each of the temptations, Jesus comes back with Scripture. To this particular attack, he says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. It's in Matthew 4, 7 and in Luke 4, 12. God's promises are to be believed, not questioned or doubted, and this is the way it's always been. Jesus' quotation is from Deuteronomy 6.16, which references the people's doubt at Massa, which means testing, which is where the people complain about God not providing for them, that he rescued them from Egypt only to kill them, and so Moses famously strikes the rock and out comes the water. You know, the Bible is not against evidence for belief. Far from it. Over and over again, God demonstrates his power and validates his messengers so that they can trust him. But the attitude that says, nah, still not convinced, do it again, but this time bigger and better, Uh, the attitude that refuses to follow the evidence where it points, uh, this manifests a heart of doubt. Uh, Thus, the rule in Deuteronomy 6.16, and then said later in places like Matthew 4.7, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. It comes as a shock then that Malachi provokes his readers to put God to the test. In doing so, Malachi isn't challenging or contradicting Deuteronomy, but neither is he a kind of meticulous theologian who's overly worried about crossing every T and dotting every I. He's a passionate preacher trying to wake up his audience. Before, he had talked about absurd ideas like polluting God or wearying God or even robbing God. These are rhetorical devices to wake up his listeners. So, too, Malachi's challenge in our text for this episode, 310 to 12, has an ironic flair to it. So watch for it as I read our text, starting in verse 10. Bring in the full tithe to the supply house, so there is food in my house, and test me in this, says Yahweh Sabaoth, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and I will pour out for you a blessing until none is left, and I will rebuke the eater for you, and he will not spoil the produce of the land for you, and the vine in the field will not be barren for you, says Yahweh Sebaoth. And all the nations will bless you, because you will be a desirable land. The challenge for the audience to actually test God, again, I think is surprising. It is true that the Hebrew word for test in Deuteronomy 6.16 is different than what we read in Malachi 2.10, Nasa in the former and Batan in the latter. But that really doesn't affect what's happening. Uh, They certainly overlap in their meaning, as in fact, Psalm 95 uses both verbs to describe what happened at Masa. See verses 8 to 9 in particular. Instead, the invitation is a clever way to wake up the audience to take God up on his offer of blessing. In understanding the passage, we need to remember that the people are not making up their own test, like Gideon famously did with his fleece. Instead, God's already gone on record, promising blessing for obedience. In fact, there are several indicators that Malachi 2, 10 to 12, subtly alludes to the Mosaic Covenant, or what we could call the Deuteronomic Covenant, in places like Deuteronomy 28. 
Uh, that's the famous section which pronounces the blessings for obedience and the gruesome and grisly curses for disobedience. Uh, for example, Deuteronomy 28, 7-14 reads, The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of the ground within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give you rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Well, did you pick up on the parallels? Ideas like open up, storehouse, heavens, all suggest that Malachi is referring to the promises in Deuteronomy, so that when he talks about the storehouses of heaven being opened up, he's referring to the rain, which is necessary for the abundant crops. So it's like Malachi is saying, I dare you. I dare you to trust God and obey him and see if he'll actually follow through with his promises. The way that we're to obey him, if you'll recall from earlier episodes, we talked about this as, as returning to the Lord, uh, is, is by bringing in the whole tithe. It is possible that the people weren't tithing at all, but more likely they weren't doing the whole thing, like the priests in chapter 1 who were sacrificing, but allowing the lame and the blind to be sacrificed. Here again, we see the problem of cutting corners. Now, there are a variety of tithes and rules about tithing in the Old Testament. The expression whole tithe actually comes from Deuteronomy 14. It's worth reading because it demonstrates what the tithes were for. Starting in verse 22, You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year, and before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money, and bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen, or sheep, or wine, or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God, and rejoice, you and your household, you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do." Now, we've talked about this before, but we need to bring it up again in this text. Malachi 3.10 talks about there being food in God's house. 
Uh, this is a fascinating progression. On the one hand, we can take it very literally, as we saw earlier, that part of the purpose of tithing was to provide funds, food for the Levites. In fact, the early Aramaic translation of this text, uh, the Targum, expands on our verse, and there shall be provision for those who serve in my sanctuary. Now, this same word, storehouses, also is used in Nehemiah 10.38 as the place where Levites stored the tithe of the tithe. And yet this tithe also, quote-unquote, stores up food in God's house. The verse goes on and talks about how God will open up the windows of heaven and pour down the blessing. It's like by storing up food in the earthly storehouses for the priests and the poor, the people were also storing up treasure in heaven, and God would repay them there and then with agricultural bounty. This economic prosperity has to do with protection from whatever might harm the crops. Malachi says that God will rebuke the eater. Now, that's an overly literal translation, but it shows the generic nature of what Malachi is talking about. Clendenin lists the options thus, quote, Although devourer is a general term for something that eats, it is often found in idioms of destruction. It sometimes refers to fire, Hosea 8.14, and sometimes to human armies, Jeremiah 30.16. Joel uses both images to describe the locusts coming in judgment against Israel, Joel 1.4, 19 to 20, 2, 3, 5, and 25, end quote. Most see locusts here, and in fact, some translations like the New Revised Standard Version use that word, but it is generic enough to mean anything that would consume your crops. And so great would this blessing be that the other nations would take notice. Whereas Lamentations describes the surrounding nations passing by Jerusalem, scoffing things like Lamentations 2.15, is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? Now, God is promising that he would reverse that scorn so clearly that the people can only attribute the turn of events to God. This fits with what Malachi said earlier when he prophesied that my name will be feared among the nations in 114. So this was the situation in Israel. But we might well wonder, what about us today? We do need to proceed carefully here. Uh, The whole thrust of this passage, as I tried to bring out at the beginning of this episode, is that Malachi is inviting the people to take up God on his own offer. Uh, That's the missing link that justifies this seemingly wrong action. It would be wrong to test God by making up our own demands for him and then holding him accountable to promises he never made. So too, God has not cut a covenant with the USA, promising to bless them financially if they keep to the terms of his decrees. The church is not Israel, and with the coming of Jesus, while much of the Old Testament carries over pretty directly, not all does. And yet, let's think about what God does expect from us today. I've already alluded to uh, Matthew 6.20, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. By giving financially, we are investing in like a heavenly savings account, and God does promise to reward us, but only fully at the coming of Christ. I read earlier from Deuteronomy 14, the purpose of the tithe was to provide for the poor and for those who administered the things of God. Similarly, the New Testament clearly commands for us to remember the poor, Galatians 2.10, and to share in all good things with the one who teaches, Galatians 6.6. So these admonitions about tithing, uh, they have some limitations when we come to modern-day application, but the overall purpose still applies. 
We should give generously and joyfully to those in need and to those who work for us. You know, also, the admonitions about tithing have ramifications for the way we pay taxes. There's little, if any, difference between tithing and taxes in ancient Near Eastern cultures. Pedersen puts it so well in his commentary, so I'll finish with a quote from him. He writes in his commentary, quote, Christians should be counterculturally enthusiastic about the opportunity to pay tax. While some in society abuse the system and become welfare dependent, there are also a great many people who are helped. Paying tax should be part of an attitude of generosity, of doing good to others. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.